We are live back with another absolutely shifting narrative on everything autism. I'm Soren Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the autism stage yourself, Mama Baden. How are you? I'm doing great, and I'll just leave it at that. I'm doing absolutely great. I, I think we said this on an episode a few weeks ago, but whenever when you say I'm doing great, the way you said it, it's like that. It's like oh god, I'm gonna get in trouble. It's like when someone says 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 I'm doing great, I'm fine, it's okay, it's fine, and like as an autistic person, I've had to learn that that means I'm not fine. In fact, I'm really pissed off. Usually me. So hopefully that's not the case. No, I'm actually doing really well. The weather's perfect. I had a really good work trip. I did presentations. I just, I was trying to avoid just rambling about my joy, but I'm doing really good. I just feel energized. Um, something about presenting. And I think, I think I'm recognizing I'm really in my element behind the camera, like seriously in my element. Like now I'm like controlling the camera people. And I'm like, this is why. Oh, you I mean in front this. of the camera? Well, in front of the camera. Yes. In front of the camera. So um anyway this is why you know god limits some things that i have access to <laughs> this is why we need to start doing videos again so we can get our youtube channel up and running probably so probably so probably so but now i've gotten spoiled with like camera people like following me and lighting the room so that it looks perfect but that doesn't mean i can't do that as well all right so enough about me let's get to the topic torin um all right you have to introduce the topic because you have a way of wording it and that makes it exciting to want to talk about <laughs> I'm, I'm currently grinning either ear because i want to do this for a while on previous episodes you've probably heard me refer to something called the autism and this is probably one more name the episode so you already read the title uh when you clicked on it the autism is this big nefarious thing that happens when your child gets diagnosed with autism. They act like it's a terminal illness. Yes. They act like your life is over. They pass you a tissue box. I've heard that so many times. They pass you a tissue box. Like they just told you it's prostate cancer or some shit. Mm -hmm. And the issue with that is um, diagnosing a child with a, a terminal illness or like they have a terminal illness when it's not is just inherently messed up. Mm -hmm. And it also tends to then shape how the child is raised, how the parents perceive the child, how their teachers and staff perceive the child, and the help the child's going to get. A yes. lot of times, co-occurring conditions aren't diagnosed or aren't treated the way they should be because the common consensus is, well, they're on the spectrum. So any, treating anything else, like co-occurring conditions like dyslexia, ADHD, uh, bipolar, all that stuff, the common ones. Treating those is like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic because they have the autism. So I want yes. to talk about the autism and why looking at autism and autism spectrum disorder that way is just inherently harmful and not good. And that's not how we should look at it. So, um, I will say, of course, everyone who's listened to me knows my perspective. Uh, I'm always just excited about a diagnosis um, or in terms of if someone gets the, the right diagnosis. But also, I, I thoroughly enjoy the perspective of autistic individuals, even when there is a chair 
you know, flying my way or a perseveration on shapes, or we have to talk about the weather for the 500th time in seven years. It still brings me joy. So for me, it's hard when um, that sort of devastating diagnosis is, is felt from uh, either parents or relatives or even teachers or therapists because, you know, I don't think it's devastating, but I also have to recognize that I am not an autistic individual and I am not a parent of um, an autistic child. Uh, I have neurodivergent children, but none of which are diagnosed autistic. So I do have a and different there is a big difference. I just want to jump in real quick. Yes. There is a big difference between just overall neurodivergent, which means yes. you have at this point pretty much anything. Yeah. And actually being autistic. Obviously there's an overlap, but there is difference. Yes. And and so I think for me, it goes back to what you said in terms of the way something is presented is the way it is perceived. And that is the way it is presented back to the person who is involved. So I will give an example in terms of uh, a parent receiving a diagnosis from a doctor and the doctor giving the diagnosis in a tone or even saying things like, oh, your child will have to be taking care of the rest of their lives or even a therapist saying, oh, we're so sorry, but your child is autistic. Right. So that presentation dictates the feeling um, most parents have if they're not familiar with autism. And then, as you said, that dictates how they parent their child, that dictates how they feel about their child. And no matter what we do as parents, no matter how we think, we are faking it till we make it. We are showing them that we're not sad when we are. We are telling them their picture is the best picture in the whole wide world when genuinely we know it's not. They know. They can feel when we are disappointed. So it impacts the autistic individual when it is perceived as the autism. Um, and I will lastly say, before I give you um, some time to uh to to talk <laughs> as a therapist who has been with many families over 35 plus years who have received various classifications um early intervention you know uh children born with things that parents weren't expecting i can tell you that the autism diagnosis is the only diagnosis that literally has a manual and a um demand for parents to go through the grieving process <laughs> i mean i don't even see that in like cancer you know when children are diagnosed with cancer or if someone finds out their child is going to be born with down syndrome or any other chromosomal difference no one talks about a grieving process right um so that within itself dictates um a lot of the things that cause a lot of the problems for autistic individual, which actually makes them disabled because people are not understanding their supports or the supports needed. What do you have to say about that, Torin? Well, I think one of the issues is autism is one of the rare disorders, like developmental disorders. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it technically counts as developmental disorder, but y'all know what I mean. Mm -hmm. That is 
I don't want to say violent in nature, because it's not, but when you think of Down syndrome kids, you don't think of violence. You don't think of meltdowns. You just think of being like mentally disabled. When you think of autism, you think of meltdowns yes. because they, they're kind of synonymous because autistic kids, when their sensory needs not being met or they're overwhelmed, mm-hmm. tend to explode. Mm-hmm. I say tend to, but actually it really depends. So we tend to either shut down or explode, yeah. but everyone focuses yeah. on the exploding parts because the kids to shut down, they're easier to deal with so no one cares about them. Either I, way, I don't mean to put it considered. that way, but people, people it, yes. associate that with meltdowns, yes, because they're they're not somebody's problem. Yeah, um, explosive meltdown is a problem to other people. And that's yeah. that's that's that that's how it's viewed. Autism autism is viewed as a problem for everybody else except the yes. actual autistic person. Exactly. That's why it's that's why it's not the Down syndrome. Yes, but it's the autism yes. because it because. The other person kind of can't just do the bare minimum mm-hmm. without yeah. it blowing up in their face. You actually, yes. this is going to sound cool, but you actually have to work hard being an autistic parent. I'm not saying you don't have to do that with the other things too, but there's so much that goes into avoiding meltdowns. And a lot of parents simply just aren't up to the task and not willing to put in the work. I'm just being honest. So mm-hmm. when it blows up, when their kid blows up, which by the way, having a meltdown as an autistic person, having a meltdown is a really not a pleasant experience, just so you know. It's yeah. not it's not fun. You think it's not fun for you. Picture how it is for us. Yes. It's fifty times worse for us. As someone who's worked with autistic kids, why so I've been on both ends. I've had meltdowns and I've had to deal with meltdowns. I have to deal with mo- I've had to deal with chain reaction meltdowns. Most mm-hmm. parents like have one autistic kid, they don't understand. Chain reaction meltdowns when one kid melts down, which causes the sense which causes sensory overwhelming for another kid, so he melts yep. down and kinda of like chain explosions in Call of Duty. That's yep. what happened. Stacy's, I'm sure, has dealt with those too. Oh, that's I've, fun times. <laughs> I've dealt with chain meltdowns. So I get it. It's because a lot of the times these chain meltdowns happen, it's because I was doing things wrong. Because I didn't know what the hell I was doing because we weren't given training. Yeah. So that I think is a major part of it. Is it's an inconvenience for other people, a massive inconvenience. So that's mm-hmm. what makes it the autism. And 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 it's an inconvenience that doesn't bring sympathy. Exactly. When you have a child in a wheelchair. It brings sympathy though, because you post your your kid's meltdown having the worst day of his life on Facebook, which don't do that. Like just that just makes you a bad person. So don't post meltdowns on Facebook. It it's not it's not giving people awareness of what autism is. We've yeah. all seen an autistic meltdown. Everyone is seeing an autistic meltdown. Your kid's autistic meltdown is not unique. It's not different. Every, like most autistic kids tend to melt when they do melt down explosively, it tends to be in the same way. Mm-hmm. Don't post it on Facebook. But when you do post it on Facebook, you get tons of sympathy, which is why people do it. It's like, you're such a strong person. He's lucky to have a parent like you. As you can yeah. tell, I've chosen violence for this episode, which is sort of my comfort zone, actually. Well, no, no, you... so I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite happy. I'm, I'm actually grinning ear to ear right now. This, I is, this is great. Absolutely <laughs> love it. So this is what I will say. I will say, you're right. The martyr parent syndrome is perpetuated on social media. However, going to the grocery store, going into an IEP meeting, going and navigating the environment. Um, there's no sympathy towards the parents or the child, the autistic child. However, I'm going to go back to what you said in reference to either it's because they, it, you know, autism associated with violence, right? Head banging, hand flapping, people don't understand what they're doing or the 
violence, aggressiveness in terms of meltdown, or as you said, a shutdown, but both of those, whether it's a meltdown um, that is, you know, demonstrating physically or a shutdown, they're both looked at upon or looked upon as non-compliance. And so when you look at something as this is a disability of non-compliance, how do I control it? How do I make the autism, the non-compliance? That's where the control and, and, and looking at it, not from the experience the autistic individual is having, but it's an inconvenience for me. Therefore, I see it as a non-compliant disability. Therefore, I need the solution for me to fix this non-compliance because I don't see it as a different processing. I don't see it as sensory overload. I see it as an inconvenience to me because of their non-compliance, which is why it is the devastating diagnosis um, that people don't want to hear. And I'm not saying, of course, we know that there are people that know and understand autism and are fine with the diagnosis, but we are talking about shifting the narrative for those who do not. Um, I have even had parents go into an evaluation and say, oh, gosh, I hope it's a global developmental delay instead. Oh. I'm like, really? You want your child to have an what the hell is global oh. development? That sounds like, and this I might be showing my ignorance here. That sounds like one of those, like you know how there's this list of like diagnoses they give to avoid having to say autism, mm -hmm. like uh, RSD mm -hmm. and HSS and whatever the hell. The old PDD, pervasive the development. PDD, yeah, every it's like those CVS receipt list of disorders to avoid saying autism. Is, yes. is that one of those? Well, so to me, and this is just my experience working in early intervention 35 plus years ago, PDD was the one that was given. Then we moved to new things of not diagnosing or classifying until they were after the age of six or eight. And so then people held on to um, well, like, like the autism will go away. Yes, at a certain exactly, point. exactly, exactly. They'll grow out of it. Yes, which is what we're talking about. They don't want to label them what they, you know, oh, God forbid if we, you know, label them autistic. Um, so the developmentally delayed was sort of tagged there for IEP purposes. And then medically, it was the globally development delayed. But globally developmentally delayed means exactly that. Intellectual delay, it means physical delay. I mean, it is a global developmental delay that is not a diagnosis you want to say, oh, I want to get this, yay, I hope I get lucky, right? Um, especially if you think of the fact that autism is not an intellectual delay. I'm not saying that people with global development delays cannot go on and be who they're going to be and participate in life. I'm saying parents don't even know what they're saying when they're asking for an intellectual delay-based diagnosis versus autism, which is... Because they think autism is an intellectual delay diagnosis. Yes, they do. they do. They do. They do. They do. But it is not. And it is not a behavior disorder of non-compliance. And, and, and that's one of the issues with the autism as well. I mentioned at the top with the co-occurring conditions. Unfortunately, because our diagnosis criteria of autism is based off of how screwed up the kid is and how poorly they are managing with the arbitrary goals we set for different age brackets, yes. uh, the more uh, co-occurring conditions the kid has along mm -hmm. with the autism, the more likely they are to be diagnosed because the worse they're probably doing meeting these arbitrary standards. So as a result, I'm trying to be politically correct here, but basically 
they 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 associate autism with intellectually delayed because that's mm-hmm. the only way you're getting diagnosed. Yeah, they're getting diagnosed. The only way you're getting diagnosed autistic is you have to fit you have to fit certain criteria. Um, be a dude. Um, that 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 helps. Uh, either have severe intellectual co-occurring conditions, so you just can't function in school, mm-hmm. or behavioral problems, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. both. Like if you have all four, you're getting it. Like if you if you have if you fit the being a dude, having intellectual issues and behavioral problems, those three they can't count. If you fit those, if you have all three, you'll get your autism diagnosis. Mm-hmm. If you have two, you might. If you have one, you might be tough sledding. So as a result, because you need all of this extra stuff that's not autism, yeah, to get diagnosed with autism, people associate autism, the autism, with mm-hmm. All the things I just mentioned, which have nothing to do with the disorder. Exactly. And you brought up the idea of you. we will see all of these co-occurring things because the supports are not in place, right? Because um, autism is misunderstood and looked at initially a lot of times from a behavioral perspective. And I, I'm going to ask your permission. Um, I'd like to share a story that uh, was shared with me last night. It's a very dark story, but I think it might fit into. My, my hand is already hovering over that, that uh, sensor blade button that I like to use. Okay. Okay. So, and, and I've not shared this with you. I mean, I literally just uh, wish this was shared with me last night by a, a parent. Um, actually this morning it was in my voice message, but that's irrelevant. So, and the reason I want to share this story is to help our listeners understand why we have to talk about the concept of the autism and, you know, the whole thing about, I will not let autism define my child. Well, you know, I don't no, even know. I, I don't mean the last. No, because I don't even know what that means, right? Like, I don't even know what that means when people say that, but whatever. I, I understand they want the autism to be separate from their child. Um, so uh, story of, uh, a 16 year old autistic, uh, child who was not provided with supports, um, was only in behavioral therapy and behavioral classroom setting and, um, non-speaking, um, when I asked information, there was no communication device in place and when i mentioned sensory um uh, mom was clueless did not even know what that meant and her child was 16 autistic diagnosed before the age of three well because no one looked at the autism for what it was and only looked at the non-compliance from the first time he was diagnosed this 16 year old who will never know, was he seeking or avoiding um, sensory input? And he ran into the street and was killed by a car. Now, this is devastating, right? Because this is hard for a parent um, because they've lost a child, but it's also devastating that an autistic individual lived for 16 years with no supports in place and was only deemed as he was non-compliant 
which is why he was hit by a car. Not his needs were never supported. We never talked about what autism was. And these are the reasons that I'm always talking about, you know, why parents need to understand because something like this should not be happening in 2023. Well, it's 24, 24. Um, and it makes me very sad. It was a very, very sad story. You know, we hear stories all the time about our kids getting out and going to water, but um, this is tragic. I mean, you know, now there's also another person who has been responsible for driving the car that unbeknownst to them, you know, this crossed their path. So I share this story because these are situations that have nothing to do with a person being autistic. Running away has nothing to do with a person being autistic. But as Torrance said, it's the sort of comorbid, the behavioral things that everyone sees. Why? Because no one looked at what the autistic individual was experiencing. No one did. Um, so anyway, I, I, I wasn't even thinking about that, but I, I just think, you know, and I'm sharing this story for the purposes of listeners understanding. We need to shift the narrative with a sense of urgency, right? You know, there is frustration in, in Torin's voice and the violence in the words because it is really that serious. We cannot keep you know, making jokes around, you know, oh, well, I think I'm a little autistic. Oh, I think everyone's autistic. You know, it's so freaking disrespectful. I can't even stand it. I mean, nobody says, oh, I think I might be a little Down syndrome. Oh, I might be a little cerebral palsy. People would be appalled if someone said that. I mean, people would be appalled. But for some reason, autism has this dark cloud of devastation and just demise um, for the other people but no one is considering the autistic child. And I'm saying child because we're thinking of um, folks who are, are diagnosed um, as children, but of course, adults that are not diagnosed and that are diagnosed. No one's thinking of their perspective. And I'm gonna stop because I feel like I'm going into a sermon and um, I'm just- Preach, preach. Uh, what I will say is um, a lot of times is a tangent when someone says, I think I might be a little bit autistic, and then you actually get to know the person, you're like, it's more than a little, my dude. Um, yeah, that that's that's the that's the reality of the autism. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I, I thought about, I don't know why I thought about this when you're telling the story, is you get a lot of late diagnosed people or uh self-diagnosed. I count self-diagnosed as late diagnosed because if you're over the age of like sixteen and you think you're autistic, you pretty much have to move heaven and earth to get a diagnosis. And if you're an adult and like you have jobs and obligations, you just, you don't have the time for that unless you're dying of something. You don't yes. have, you don't have time to go through those assessments. So I count, so I, so I use late diagnosis and self-diagnosis interchangeably just to give you a heads up. Uh, when you deal with these self-diagnosed slash late diagnosed people, they often say, I understand where it comes from. They say, I wish I was diagnosed earlier because I had so much thinking there was something wrong with me my whole life. And turns out there was, and it would have opened so many doors. And I think to myself, it's like, I get it because they think they would have been diagnosed with autism, yeah. but they would not have been. They yep. would have been diagnosed with the autism. And yes. as we've explained up to this point, those are two very different things. 
They yes. wasn't diagnosed. No, no one gets diagnosed with autism. Almost no one gets diagnosed with autism before the age of 16. If you've mm-hmm. been diagnosed <laughs> prior to 16, odds are you've been diagnosed with, like me, the autism, written in all caps. Yeah. Where they basically act like you're dying, but you get no supports for that. Yes. Even people in hospice, we do things to make them comfortable. We don't even do yes. that for autistic people. That is a we, very do, good... we do nothing. We just try to get them to not be autistic. Which to me, and this might be controversial, but the way we approach autistic care, things like mm-hmm. ABA, for example, I have trouble seeing how it's anything more than at best one step above prey the gay away or mm-hmm. pray the autism away because I exist mm-hmm. too. I don't see how that's any different. It's the same thing. You just add some fancy words, and there are some people making money and making money and have some letters next to their names they don't deserve. Yeah, and you know, I think you you mentioned something earlier in terms of um, it, it's a it's it's an inconvenience because you have to work hard to parent a an autistic child. However. If you are fortunate enough to um, educate yourself, empower yourself, if you are, um, uh, you know, one of my clients, former or current, then you are becoming equipped with tools so that it just becomes your way of life, like anything else. You have a child that is diabetic, you make adjustments or you lose your kid, right? Mm. So um, it is what it is. And yes, everyone's approach is different. And yes, there are lots of children that have other disabilities that are not being cared for. Yes, we know that. We are currently talking about the perceived um, burden that it is the that autism is the most burdensome. Oh my gosh, uh, you know, oh my goodness, your whole life. And it's really, if you do the work, as I always say now, when your children are younger, if you learn and understand, just like parenting any child, then your children will have the skills to make choices that work best for them. Um, As a parent, I'm speaking as a parent perspective of, you know, your goal is for your children to be able to take care of themselves, right? Whatever that looks like for whatever child, um, whether that's your daughter marrying well, whether it's your son marrying well, whether it's your children being independent and being a powerhouse, whatever it is that you want for your child or foresee, you still have to do the work so that they can go into the world and do that. And parenting an autistic child is an, is is other layers of work within what you already have to do because you have to think ahead. You have to be very proactive to avoid, as you said, meltdowns or shutdowns, which is really what the inconvenience is. You know, if you allow your kids to jump and spin and flip and flap their hands while you're in the grocery store line, guess what? There's no inconvenience there. No inconvenience at all. Unless you're bothered by people staring, then you have well, to work on A lot on of people say that as an inconvenience. Yes. <laughs> but you got to work just on that. Oh, whatever. You know, work on yourself on that. But there's and no... A lot mal- of people see working on themselves as an inconvenience, too. I know. I but know. the thing is, too, we mentioned like things like diabetic or someone who has like uh, food allergies. The bare minimum there is getting the diabetic their insulin every day. The bare minimum is food allergies. Make sure they're never in contact. Otherwise, you get really bad results. So they seem to understand parents understand what the bare minimum is and they mm-hmm. do the bare minimum mm-hmm. with autism the bare minimum isn't one set line that never moves it's constantly fluctuating what the minimum is and you have to sort of be in touch with your kid and be able to read between the lines which is difficult 
to get it, which and in and of itself requires work to understand where the line is that day. So we talk about we talk we talk about spoon theory. If your kids' spoons are low, the bare minimum line is going to be really high. You're going to have to do a lot of stuff to keep from going sideways. If your kid is feeling a bit better, if he has more spoons, you you might be there might be a little keel on that boat. So I love your optimism. What I will share with you. I love your optimism. What I will share with you is the reason parents of diabetic children know what the bare minimum is to keep their child alive. Because they screw up, they die. Well, because someone pulls you into a room and they explain to you what diabetes is. When you get a diagnosis as uh, for your child of autism, no one tells you what autism is. They literally just tell you this news. They usually tell you in a very devastating way. Stacey, it's the bad thing that heals your child. That's what it is. It's it's the autism. It's the bad yes. spirit that takes exactly. your child away. So if you look at the fact that other disabilities, parents are informed, they are told, they are given flyers, handouts, they are given recommendations for books and support groups to join. Doesn't matter what it is. When you get a diagnosis as a parent of autism, they give you nothing. That's exactly why I started my business. Because I was like, nobody's telling parents what autism is. Parents are just walking around clueless because no one has told them what autism is. Not to be one fair, that's because the doctors don't know what autism is either. They do so. not know. You're expecting to sort of the blind leading the blind here. Exactly. They do not know. But I would hope, you know, that's where my optimism comes in. I'm saying you're optimistic because you're assuming that they were even given the bare minimum but my optimism is that at least maybe a therapist, right? A speech no, no, therapist. I, I trust parents more than people with letters next to their name. As you I know, know, I call them the alphabet people. Yeah. I, I don't trust experts. I think all that time in academia where knowledge uh, knowledge in the field is often like a decade behind reality. Yeah. I, I, I just think you're fighting too many things when you've been in school for that long to actually be able to come out and be able to like administer real world advice. Mm -hmm. I hate to say it that way because I sound like conspiracy theorists, but that's just how I feel. So I have more confidence in parents to just use common sense and to be in tune with their kids. I mean, mm -hmm. they are related. That is their kids, presumably, mm -hmm. uh, um, to be able to tell what their kids' needs are and sort of through trial and error over the course of a certain amount of time, be able to figure out where that line is. And yes. obviously, it, it's going to take some trial and error. But I trust parents because I have to trust parents because yes. I don't trust doctors. The therapists aren't going to help you. They're not going to tell you what autism is because they don't know. They don't want to know. All they know is what they were told in the textbook when they mm -hmm. were in school. And they're going to believe that because they're 100 grand in debt to go to that school. So they acknowledge they didn't learn shit. They acknowledge that they basically yep. put themselves in a hole and sacrificed and pulled all-nighters and did all this, all this stuff. And they still don't know what the hell they're talking about. Most people just aren't going to be able to do that. Most most therapists aren't going to get to that point mentally. So I don't, no. I don't even regard them as bad as that sounds. I'm no. relying on the parents. And I do think the parents can do it because I've I've oh. seen it. I don't. It's not a theory. We see it. We have parents on this podcast who do of the work. Of course, of course. And you know, I always say to parents, and I fully believe parents are the experts on their child. My role is just to help them understand the why, and then provide them with things that they can do so that there's less frustration because it's hard for you to, to make some of the really simple strategic proactive strategies or to implement them when you're in the mix, right? And so they know though. And, and you know what's really amazing is when you talk to parents and they do certain things, 
just because they know it works well for their kid. I'm like, that is just golden. What a lucky kid that, you know, parents who say, oh, you know, they love everything. Oh, they love to have um, uh, Mr. Straw, right? So we make sure that we have straws everywhere. We never go anywhere without straws. They don't even know why. They didn't even know anything about a STEM. They just knew it brought their child joy and comfort and they just did it. That is why parents know. They do know until someone says, oh, they're going to have that straw the rest of their lives because they have the autism. Then it becomes a problem. And, and I hate when parents do that because people, I know. And, and I would say that the people doing this don't understand, but yes. I'm not that naive. Yeah. They understand that the parents worry about you. If you're a parent, it doesn't matter what type of kid you have. Mm -hmm. You're mm -hmm. worried about the kid's future. Yes. At, at least you should be. So if you're not, that in and of itself is a problem. So when they say they're going to have the rest of their life, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They know they're hitting that little nerve of, am I hurting my child to make you second guess everything you're doing so you see the way, yes. so you see the world the way they see, even though they're not the kid's parent. And they are the kid's parent, once again. That's a problem in and of itself, which we will get yes. to on another podcast. All right. So I want to strike that violence again. <laughs> Tell me, Torin, how do you feel when I send you a post that says, we didn't let the autism win today. Autism won today. What the hell does that mean? Well, you know, I find that actually incredibly hilarious. Like that particular phrase, the autism one, I, I don't know why I find it so funny, but every time I see it, I start laughing. The autism. I, I, think, it's, I think it's because the way it's phrased, like autism one today. That's, that's the phrase, they, like it's yeah. a lot of like autism moms use that. Autism mm -hmm. one today in terms of, it, 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 to describe like having a bad day, which on the surface, I understand it. But I just yes. find it weird because, like, actual autistic people can't use that as an excuse for why we're screwing things up. Like, <laughs> I can't, like, I, I can't, like, not show up to work and be like, I'm sorry, boss. Autism won today. Like, I, I wish I could. I, I, I can't steal a car and be like, Your Honor. Autism won that day. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> like, so I can't go to my significant other, be an asshole for a week straight because I'm melting down, and then be like, I'm sorry, last week, autism won. I, I, I couldn't help it. I, I, I just, I'm just a bad partner. It's not my fault. When you so there are some autistic men who do do that exact thing. So This is an Instagram platform. <laughs> literally, every day you could do a meme on or a scenario on how autism won and using autism as an, the autism as an excuse. So I really, I, <laughs> someone needs to do that. That doesn't work. See, that doesn't work on Instagram for uh, certain reasons I won't get into on this podcast, but uh, certain demographics could use that. Well, I'll just leave it at that, and they would blow up if they did that. But yeah, that always makes me laugh, <laughs> the autism one, even though like I get it, because it's frustrating because it's usually they've had a bad day, there's been meltdowns, or something's gone wrong. So I have some sympathy for that. But a lot of times the parents that use this, they are of the mindset that the autism is something completely independent working mm -hmm. on their child versus mm -hmm. no your child has had a bad day and you're a parent so if you have a child especially if the child's like younger than like 12 mm -hmm. if they're having a bad day you're having a bad day <laughs> that's just that's just count. so no the autism didn't win your kid had a bad day 
That's what happens. Your and kids, not... but that doesn't get the light because every kid, regardless of, of diagnosis, has bad days where has bad weeks where you, where just being a parent just sucks. Yes, it doesn't even you know. A lot of times it's like, uh, that has nothing to do with autism. That's what three year olds do. Or yeah, teenagers tend to be a little bit combative. That's so just there are times when like it's like there are times when like they'll describe things like their autistic toddler did. I'm like mm-hmm. that's just that's because they're too toddlers. Like mm-hmm. that's 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 what the, that that's what having kids is, or like with teenagers, they're like mm-hmm. and it's always a teenage boy. It's almost always a teenage boy. They're like they're being combative. They're not listening to their parents, or they don't want to be seen with their parents, or they're mm-hmm. getting in the fights. They're, they're a teenage boy. Like yeah, that's that that's no. If they if that wasn't happening, that's when you worry. You might want to go to the doctor and get their like exactly. hormones checked and things like that because that means there may be some ex- ex- exocrine system stuff going on there. They're not just acting like raging assholes because that's what boys do when we hit puberty. I always say, you know, it's a wonderful thing. It mean, or when they're, you know, having battles with their siblings, I'm like, that's wonderful. It's so developmentally appropriate, right? Um, yeah, they're like, oh, he's fighting with yeah. their siblings. What mm-hmm. siblings don't fight? That is exactly, exactly what they do. And I think one of the ones that I hear a lot that I think parents get concerned about is when teens start spending more time in their room and not wanting to hang out with the family. And so I always say, well, you know, that's typically what teens do, right? They kind of pull away because they're becoming independent. Um, But at the same time, parents are concerned that because their child is an autistic teen, does that mean they're just gonna isolate themselves for the rest of their lives? Is the autism taking over, right? Um, What? Like, I'm I'm just saying that, I get the train of thought, but it's also incredibly stupid. <laughs> like it's, it's just if you think if you parse that out for a second, it makes mm-hmm. no sense. Yes, there are some concerns because going through puberty as an autistic person is a wild experience. It really is, <laughs> um, especially for girls. But mm-hmm. it, for dudes too, it's a it, it, it's a it, it's a wild experience. But to but to be worried about, there are things to worry about, but oftentimes parents will worry about things like normal teenagers do. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, and same thing with toddlers. Like, they worry about stuff that like a normal three-year-old mm-hmm. or a normal five or six-year-old even will do. Like, I like I work most of my time with kids with uh, kindergarten to second grade, mm-hmm. a little bit of third grade, mostly K to second. That's most of my experience. Mm-hmm. Like, and this was like gen pop. So a few autistic kids, two ADHD kids, like they're just, they're kids. They do kid stuff. That's exactly like they're, right. They're a pain in the ass. They give you headaches. You wake up some mornings, you're just like, oh, fuck me. I gotta go to work today. Like that's just, that, that's just life. That's dealing with kids. And so I, I get that there are extra challenges, but mm-hmm. I feel like parents, and I don't blame them necessarily, so it buy into the hype, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word, that the autism is making their lives as parents that much harder. And I wonder, because I myself am not a parent, is the and so I'm ask I'm actually gonna ask you, is mm-hmm. the autism making their life that much harder, or is it just like just parenting is just hard? Well, this is what I will say. Parenting is hard work, right? And I always feel that it wouldn't be as taxing for parents of autistic children 
if they were also supported, right? So when a parent knows their child needs to not be at a party for more than an hour or not attend every family event three times a week, instead of the other family members shunning them or telling them they don't know how to be a better parent, it would be easy for them to support the needs of their children. And it's no different than, I mean, it's, it's, it's different in the sense of if a parent had a child, and I'm saying this based on what I've seen, if a parent has a child with a wheelchair, everyone will accommodate to make sure the restaurant they choose for the wedding reception, for the engagement party, for the anniversary party will be wheelchair accessible, right? Everyone will make sure that anybody who has some, you know, high medical need, food allergy, they will make sure that the chef makes sure that everyone will jump on board. But when you say, can we go on a vacation that is not sensory overwhelming, or we will go on a family vacation, but we won't participate in something every day because my child needs, the parents know. The parents become very easily acclimated once they're empowered, but they don't get support from the family. They don't get support from friends, and they certainly don't get support from the schools, which is why dealing with schools is the most exhausting part of parenting an autistic child unless you're homeschooling we still need to do that episode i keep trying to get stacy to do that episode and she's like i, I can't do it without getting pissed off I, I i just can't do it but eventually we'll do that episode about dealing with schools yeah so i think that i'm not saying that there's not extra work but this is what i do know as a parent right i do know as a parent that when we have a baby, we love our baby and we make adjustments for our baby if we are invested in parenting, right? We're not talking about folks who are not really invested in parenting. We're talking about folks who have a baby and then you do, right? You get up when you don't want to, to feed your baby. You, you know, change your baby, you spend your, you do whatever you need to do, right? You, you make adjustments for your baby. Um, and that's what parents instinctively do until someone questions their decision until someone decides that's not the best thing that they should be doing or until someone interferes or doesn't support their decision then it becomes difficult right because not only are they making accommodations as a parent for their child just instinctively and sometimes consciously um uh they are not getting their own support and i think that's where a lot of the um the the exhaustion comes in right the shame of your child having a meltdown in the grocery store and how people treat you and look at you the shame that the autistic child um, i'm sorry the parents of a, a non-speaking autistic child get because oh my gosh you know your child and forget the fact that they're not even addressing the autistic individual that's sitting right there right um what i'm saying in terms of the answer to your question is it is difficult to parent, it is hard work, and we never know what life is going to bring us, right? Whether it's financial woes, whether it's medical woes, life hits us, it happens. When you are when you are parenting a child that is autistic, I can say most of my parents doing the work that they want to do for their child because they love their child is the easy part. The hard part is dealing with all the extra stuff outside that gets in the way of them supporting the needs of their child. Does that make sense? No, I think you're absolutely right. You touched on you touched on something that we haven't really touched on before, which is that's exhaustion dealing with all the stuff around being an autistic parent. 
And I feel like, based on what you're saying, that being an autism parent or a parent with a disability, almost it's like you have a lower margin of error for, mm-hmm. for, 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 for messing up. Where I think I've mentioned this before, where if you have a kid with lower support needs or a kid that doesn't have like a diagnosis, you can kind of screw up. They might turn out okay. They might turn out okay. They might become fans of Andrew Tate. Who knows? Um, but the one thing I will mention is you mentioned about like someone has a wheelchair, everyone's supportive. Everyone is supportive if the kids are total quadriplegic, where they have where they were born without use of their legs. If they have like some use of their legs, for example, they can walk, but it hurts a lot. There's going to be family members going to be like, I don't know, make them take the stairs. They'll strengthen their legs. They can't be in the wheelchair their whole lives. They're not quadriplegic. They're like, see, they're, they're, they're walking right now. I know it hurts. It hurts when I walk. I have arthritis. Like, that's what they'll be saying. So even in that example, it shows they're supportive because the kid in that example totally cannot walk and will never walk, period. That's why. And it's almost like if there's hope for the kid a little bit, they're like, no, we're not going to do anything for him. We're not going to do anything for them. Screw it. They'll, they'll learn it the hard way. Just like, just like I learned it, they're always like, I learned it the hard way and I turned out okay. And as we always oh, say on this I mean, podcast, exactly. If you, if you say you turned out okay, you did not, in fact, turn out okay. Turn out okay. Exactly. <laughs> I will say this, Torin. If you have, if you are parenting a child of whether it's, you know, temporary, permanent, whatever, born uh, congenital, you have a child with any type of disability or or illness that is visible people will bring dinner over to your house because they know that you're tired if you are parenting an autistic child that has maybe some changes at school and they're having meltdowns or maybe there's been some things going on in therapy and a parent is exhausted from a child having to make adjustments to changes, whether it's a change they can control or not. No one says, let me bring you dinner because you're tired. That's the difference. And that is why people want the autism to go away. That is why people don't want to get the autism as a diagnosis because of the way the world treats autistic individuals and the parents of autistic individuals is the reason we're talking about the autism and why it's looked upon so negatively. I mean, it's why we're doing the podcast. It just infuriates me because it's exhausting. It's enough that you have to make sure you have the same cereal, make sure that you have the right French toast in the freezer, make sure that you provided the sensory activities, even though it's been raining for three days and the trampoline's too wet, you're making sure your child has sensory needs met. Oh my gosh, did I make sure that I called and changed the visual schedule? Did I make sure all of those things, check, 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 check. Parent is on it. And then what happens? Somebody calls, the school changes, it doesn't tell you, or a relative comes over and says, oh my gosh, it's ridiculous and takes down the visual schedule. Or the other parent decides the child just needs to figure out how to do it on their own. It is exhausting. It's exhausting. It really is exhausting. And I'm going to leave it at that. No, I, 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 as we bring this home, I think that is, once again, the, the exhaustion component and how we treat people whose kids get diagnosed with autism is messed up it, it, it's not good 
but and maybe this is my personal bias, and maybe it's because I spend way too much time on social media. But I find when people worry about their kids, and not just parents, but doctors, teachers, the whole wider community worry about a child being diagnosed with the autism. They're never worried about the actual kid. They're worried about like the work it's going to take to raise kids. They're never worried about all of these people like me, people like all the late diagnosed people on on, on that that connect with each other through social media, which is one of the yes. good things social media. All these late diagnosed who just have these horror stories in their childhood because our needs weren't met. Yeah. They're never worried. Oh, I don't know like how to meet their needs. I don't want them to be a maladjusted individual with like. Suffering, who who suffers from like substance abuse, yeah. or is the victim of abusive people and all that stuff, all the stuff that comes with being an adult autistic didn't get the support we needed as kids. They're never worried that they're that that's the reality, even though that's that's the main issue. That in mm-hmm. my opinion, obviously, I'm not taking away from what parents have to go through, but that's a legit concern. We've talked about that is when you don't meet child's needs, bad you tend to churn out these maladjusted individuals. They're never worried about that because, in their opinion. And a lot of people are saying, yep. because they have the autism, they're, they're not going to be high-functioning enough to get taken advantage of by, by some dude or some chick. They're never going to be high-functioning enough to like have a job so they can spend all of their money on booze because yep. they're in an environment that's so awful that the only way they can function is by being intoxicated all the time. Yep. They're, they're never going to be at that point. They're never going to be at the point where they're watching YouTube where they're getting into Andrew Tate videos. Because they're yeah. angry, because everyone's making their lives a living hell, and, and they've come to the conclusion the only way they can stop hurting is to have control over everything around them because everyone wants to make them uncomfortable. Yep. They're, they're not worried. I never hear these concerns when a kid is diagnosed with autism, even though it happens so often. I never hear I never hear people worried about that. It's always yep. how bad it's going to be dealing with a two-year-old who's autistic who's melting down. That's all I hear. And I'm not saying that's a real concern, but it annoys me. Because mm-hmm. what I just described isn't the outlier, they're the norm. This is what's yeah. happening. It's the reason, one of the reasons I don't want kids, I don't want to be autistic, because I don't want them to have to go through what I went through. Yeah. I was diagnosed when I was eight, it didn't help. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with Asperger's. I wasn't even diagnosed back then, Asperger's was a real disorder. You had Asperger's, you had high-functioning autism, you had PDD, and you had what they call classical autism, which meant yep. autism and a bunch of co-occurring conditions. That's yep. that meant. I was diagnosed with Asperger's. I was, the quote unquote high functioning, I still wasn't given support. I still have to figure things out myself. I still struggled and mm-hmm. no one cared. And yep. people still don't care. Kid gets diagnosed, they're still not worried about that. And I'm sorry for going on this rant, but that's all I can think about, quite frankly. No, I think it's uh something that needs to be heard because it it is like we need to consider what the child needs. The person who is actually experiencing <laughs> The autism. It's like we don't count because because of the autism, we've ceased to be, we've ceased to have yes. personhood. We're just the, the autism. We're the autistic yes. person. And that, yes. and that just rubs me the wrong way. And I'm sorry for, for, for ending uh, on such a negative note, but we do but have you, to bring this in. <laughs> but you know, Torin, when I think about the deaf community, when I think about um, uh, the community of individuals who have cerebral palsy. Remember, there was a movie about a guy who had cerebral palsy um, in Ireland. I think he used to paint with his foot, right? People thought that they could not, did not, and were not uh, people, human worthy, and didn't even know what was going on in the, around the world, right? They thought people who were deaf 
were dumb and of course they were hello i'm here and you know i say that to say autistic individuals are humans and they're here with feelings as well right and and so that's why we have to watch what we say in front of um, our young children and we have to know that they can sense it but also we have to recognize what they're experiencing and like i always say to my parents your kids work in triple time as hard as you are just to get up in the morning and get dressed sometimes just to do that it's a lot of hard work for them so. the only the last thing i will say the only thing the only thing to go back to what i said way earlier in the episode the only reason why i wouldn't say the only reason but i do wish getting actual diagnosis is easier versus when i say for late diagnosis, i use late and self-interchangeably because it's so hard yeah. i feel like because a lot of parents of autistic kids, at least one of the biological parents is also on the spectrum. Not always. It's almost like always there's someone in the family because it is hereditary, and usually it's at least one of the two parents. I wish getting diagnosed was a bit easier because yeah. if you can get the parents understand their needs, they're going mm -hmm. to be better parents. Plus, when you tell them the kids working triple as hard, if you can't get on that wavelength and you're tired, it's hard to imagine anyone is more tired than you. But if you're also on the spectrum, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I get it because I'm yeah. exhausted right now. I can only imagine what they're. So I do wish uh, there were more access to resources to help adults, especially parents of autistic kids, get evaluated. Like I saw a, a thread today that said if you have no, if your child gets diagnosed with autism, you should, you should probably get yourself and the other biological parent tested. Mm -hmm. Once again, that's oh, you should. They're right. But that is very difficult in a lot of countries. I do wish that was easier because I think that would actually go a long way. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. It would also teach them simply that it's not the autism because you're autistic and like you wipe your own ass. Like it, 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 there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it makes the expectations too high for the little ones, but that's yes. a whole another episode that is a whole other episode thank you so much Torin, for bringing this topic yeah we, we really chose i i chose more a higher level of violence than even i expected but stacy that's why we're working too just the narrative on everything autism see ya